sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah, it's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM, channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. We're going to have fun over the course of the next hour. One hour, you guys are stuck with me. It's going to be a good one, though. I'm bringing in a first-time guest in Jake Overhand today to talk some college basketball. And he's not just a first-time guest on this show. It's his first time he's ever done radio. So we'll be <laughs> we'll be gentle with him. He's a young man who is really, I mean, look, not that many people impress me at first meeting. I just can't. I can't say that they do. This kid impressed me. The young man, he's 24 years old. He's living in Arizona. He's doing this full-time. He's betting on college hoops full-time. And I thought he'd be an interesting voice. Not the type of capper I always have on every week. I'm excited to hear what Jake Oberhand has to say. We'll get some bet on teams, some bet against teams. His thoughts about late-season college basketball betting. Some maybe big dance sleepers, some conference tournament sleepers. We'll get into it with Jake Overhand at JOverhandXX on Twitter. But before we get into college basketball and a deep dive into college basketball today. i got to put a bow on the NBA season, or the NBA, the NFL season. It's over. Super Bowl was last weekend. I know you guys have heard 300 recaps already. i got to give you mine. Two reaction on game day. You know, it closed minus one, minus one and a half here in Vegas. Total was 51 and a half. We did see some late over money. The books, the reports that I've been reading, the books did fairly well for the big game. There was more money on Philadelphia than there was on Kansas City. There was a lot of money on the over. That didn't bode well uh, for the books. And uh, plenty of guys went over on their prop numbers, but not at all of them. You know, when you have a shootout 38 35, you're worried that everybody's going to go over on everything. And that just wasn't the case. In fact, lots of guys stayed under in lots of different categories. Mahomes stayed under in passing yards. They scored 38 points. Great. Mahomes still stayed under in passing yards. You know, uh, there was all that Miles Sanders over money uh, for rushing yards. He didn't get there. And on and on down the line. Uh, so, Books here in Nevada, a profitable result. And, of course, when it comes to the future market, the books never mind when one of the favorites ends up cashing tickets. Of course, Philly was as high. I mean, I, I know there were some there's people saying they found 30 or 35 to 1. I didn't see a whole lot of those. They were, you know, 20, 25 to 1 was the range that I saw Philly in uh, before the season started. So it's a big difference. You're paying out a 25-to-1 ticket versus a 5-to-1 ticket for Kansas City uh, when it comes to the future books. But frankly, the books make money on the future book regardless of, of who wins. Uh, it was a great game. I mean, it really was. A, I, I cashed with uh, Kansas City. Don't know if it's the right side. Got there. But my thought process behind the Chiefs was that Philly's defense was the questionable unit out there. And it ended up being, you know, uh, Philly from a strength of schedule standpoint, hadn't faced a whole lot of elite quarterbacks this year. And every time they did, they got torched. And that's kind of what happened in the big game. Strength of schedule was a deciding factor for me. And the fact that the underdog uh, was catching points with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has no business being an underdog. Underdogs in Super Bowls have been the way to go. I mean, really, you look at the last, you know, I got, what, 14 years of data sitting here right in front of me. And let's see, Kansas City covered as minus one against San Fran. <laughs> uh, New England covered in overtime when they came back from 28-3 to three as a favorite. 
uh, winning by six. And Green Bay covered the Rashard Mendenhall fumble game against Pittsburgh. Uh, what was that, 2011, 2012? Favorite cover there, the Packers. That's it in terms of favorites. Over the last 14 Super Bowls, they are few and far. Oh, I missed one. The Patriots covered against Seattle in the game where Marshawn Lynch didn't get the carry, <laughs> uh, 28-24. So literally, when you look at the favorites who've covered during this time, I don't know that Green Bay was the right side against Pittsburgh and got there, but that game was determined by a fourth-quarter fumble. You had uh, a game that turned on a fourth-quarter interception at the goal line. You had a game where the favorite was twenty-eight to, was trailing 28-3 to three, and then won and covered in overtime, and you had a one-point favorite. <laughs> that covered. That's it for 14 years of Super Bowls. Dogs have been the way to go, and that didn't change this year either. Great game. Now, the ending, look, I had Kansas City. I didn't mind the phantom flag. And it wasn't a phantom flag. Yes, it could be called. There's a penalty on every play of every game in the NFL. They all could be called. You could have penalty, 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 penalty. The game wasn't called that way for the first 58 minutes. They allowed them to play physical in the secondary. And then it was called that way in the last two minutes, which, again, worked in my favor. No complaints with that P.I. call. Loved it. Changed the whole game. I did not want to sweat out that last drive. I didn't have to because, uh, although it, cost, uh, it potentially cost me a bet, I had the last play of the game to be a kneel down, and we didn't get a kneel down because Kansas City used up all the clock and the Philly only had one play at the end. I thought Jalen Hurts was the best player on the field. He was the MVP. I know he didn't win it. The, win, you know, the winning quarterback of the winning team is likely to be MVP. And Mahomes, there was nothing that you could say about Mahomes not to give him the award. But the best player on the field in that game was Jalen Hurts. He was unbelievable. And the difference, Mahomes was throwing to open receivers. Hurts wasn't. You look at the catches that you know Goddard made in that game, uh, <laughs> that A.J. Brown made, uh, and obviously that the, Devonta Smith made. I mean, the, the catches these guys were making and the windows that Hurts was finding the, the room to throw in, I even in defeat, I thought he was worthy of an MVP vote or two. So there you have it. Super Bowls in the rearview mirror. We'll talk plenty of football over the spring and summer months, but not today. College Hoops discussion coming up next when coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the SportsGrid Radio Network. And listen. I've been doing this show, this is the third year now that I've been doing this show for SportsGrid. I've been doing some kind of sports talk radio for the better part of my adult life, certainly for the last 25 years in Vegas. Uh, I've been doing it pretty regularly, pretty much every day, (laughs) or close to it, uh, for the better part of the last 20 years, certainly every weekday. So I thoroughly enjoy talking about sports, talking about it on air. And I also enjoy bringing in some new voices. And it's important for me to bring in new voices. I can't have the same guys on over and over again regurgitating the same stuff. It's important to make sure that we've got some young blood in the mix. I'm not a youngster anymore. I'm on the wrong side of 55 now. But our guest today, Jake Oberhand, making his debut here on Cover It with Teddy Covers, 
he's still in his 20s. He's young, he's ambitious, he's pretty bright, and I think he's pretty good at college basketball. Jake, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you today? Doing well. Hey, Teddy. Uh, happy to be on. Thanks for having me. How are you? How are you? Hey, the pleasure's mine. I'm, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's always chaos at the Teddy Covers house. No different uh, this week uh, than any other. Uh, we had, obviously, some technical difficulties, as you're well aware of, before the show started today. I appreciate you your patience, and everything is good to go as we speak. And I want to start, you know, anytime I bring on a first-time guest, especially a younger first-time guest, a guy who doesn't have an, uh, is building a name in the business, I want to understand, or my audience understand, why I brought this guy on. And you're someone I've had... Over the three years I've been doing this show on SportsCard, I think I've had a handful of times where someone's contacted me and say, hey, I really want to be on your show, a young up-and-comer. Doesn't happen every day. And when it does, I take it seriously. You know, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in hearing your story. There aren't that many guys I've been impressed with to let them on the show. <laughs> you sounded rock solid. So talk about, and again, I don't. I, I, you sound rock solid. I don't know if it's true or not. We'll find out over the course of the next hour. But the bottom line is... <laughs> Getting from here to there, who are you? Why should anyone care about what you have to say about college basketball? And talk about your unique story as a guy still in his 20s who is a young guy in the business learning your craft and trying to do this full time. Tell us a little bit about Jake Overhand and why people should care about what you have to say about college basketball. Yeah, sure. So I'm 24 and I've been betting sports full time for about a year and a half now. Uh, Before I was betting, I was always a big time sports fan. Um, and I started betting at first recreationally when I was in college about five years ago and started with just NFL. I knew I was on to something because I felt like I was winning a lot of the games where I had strong opinions on, but I was losing money overall. So I had to really hone in on kind of learning the industry um, and trialing and fine-tuning a bunch of different things and finding what worked for me. And while I was doing this, I was branching out to also betting college football, NBA, college basketball, And so it took a few years, really, to get to the point where I felt comfortable enough making the transition to full-time betting. And just before doing so, I had a very good 2021, especially in college, too. And I found my niche doing pretty much strictly sides. And after sports betting got legalized in Arizona, uh, right around that time, I actually moved out here from California to do this full-time. And I love it because I always find myself constantly learning new things as I meet new people, and continue to gain more overall experience. Um, I wish I had a more exciting kind of origin story, but that's the truth of it. Well, one of the things I appreciated about you, when I asked you, hey, you know, I'm like, everyone gets a chance to promote at the end of the show. What do you want to promote? You're like, I don't have a service. I don't know. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, great. Yeah. That's the guy I want. You know, not the guy who said, oh, yeah, I'm going to build up my business. You're a, you're a guy who's interested in sports betting. And your story, Jake, is not that dissimilar from mine. You started a little bit younger. You know, I, I didn't start betting until I was your age, really. I know mean, it was after I graduated from Michigan. I was wow. betting a sports bar, and next thing you know, uh, there's people asking me about games that I don't know anything about. Why you want to watch that game? I mean, it really was <laughs> a, an evolutionary process. And I did it for probably four or five years before I decided this is something I'm going to do for real. You know, got a little felt I got a little bit better each year. And it was the 2007 NFL season, like many betters, like most beginning betters. NFL is what you focus on. I had a real good NFL year in 1997. I'm like, next year I'm doing this in Vegas. And I started making plans to do it, and I did. And that's how I made the transition. But it really was one good football season 
<laughs> one good NFL yeah. football season that started the whole, yes, you can get from here to there. I know there are people out there in the listening audience that are trying to get from here to there, trying to do what you mm-hmm. have done already, what I did many years ago. Talk about the challenges of being a young guy in the business, learning your craft, and talk about the transition from part-time to full-time. That, to me, was a very difficult transition. I imagine it was for you as well, and for most betters, it's going to be. So talk about some of the challenges you faced and how you overcome that adversity. I sound like a job, like this is a job interview now. Talk about the challenges you faced and how you overcame (laughs) adversity. God, I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. I haven't been on a job interview (laughs) in many, many years. No, that, that's the truth of it. Um, that transition from part to full time is very difficult because you have to make sure you're putting the adequate focus into it because now it's your sole income. It's your full-time job. And so you, you can't really get phased by a run at bad beats or, or when when your bankroll takes a hit from a losing month or two, it can be very difficult to stay level-headed. And, and you're, you know, at, at times you're pulling, you're pulling um, from your bankroll for, for some expenses, um, but you can't panic. You have you know, when you're new at this, you have to kind of understand that it's um, slow and steady and, and it's a grind. And you just learn from those mistakes that, that you made because it's an evolving marketplace. And, and I find myself learning all kinds of different things still. And that's something I appreciate about you, Jake, is that you don't have the canned answers locked in already, <laughs> like so many of the guys do, you know? Uh, because there's, there's, there, there's an appropriate answer to that question that the, the guy who's been doing this for 20 years is going to give you because he's been asked that question 20 times. Sure. Already. You know, uh, but the fact is that transition, and you talk about taking money out of your bankroll to pay expenses. That's that was the story of my first five years doing this. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, all right, I got to pay rent. Well, <laughs> this is my job, <laughs> therefore exactly. I got to take money out, and it and it, ca- and it exactly. really negatively affects the bankroll growth that over the long term is going to allow you to bet larger unit sizes and make more that exponential growth when you're pulling out. Uh, of your bankroll, you don't get that. How are you able, have you been able to overcome that? Uh, or is it the story that, you know, hey, you're in your early 20s, you don't have a ton of, you know, your, your monthly nut's not 15 yeah. grand a month yet, you know, <laughs> you, you can live cheap <laughs> and it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's a little bit of that. Um, I think I'm able to, I was able to build a pretty good bankroll before I started betting. I kept expenses super low. I knew that, um, you know, in order to do this, you have to full-time, you have to have a, a decent bankroll. So I was able to build that on um, just working a regular nine-to-five job. And then when I felt in the process of that, I was simulating picks to kind of make sure that I could do this. Um, and then sort of making that transition into the full-time betting. Um, but that's how I would kind of put it. So we're going to talk about college basketball today. And you're someone that has, you know, this is a, we're going to focus on college mm-hmm. hoops the rest of the way. But you're someone who you started NFL – and then you kind of branched out. Talk about that learning curve in college hoops a little bit, because to me, that's one of the biggest issues when it comes to college basketball. We've got about one minute before the break, so talk about how, like, how you started in college hoops, and then how you've been able to transition and, and kind of expand upon it. Yeah, so I started with pretty much just watching games and trying to get a good read on a specific maybe conference or two, and start forming, you know, a bet on bet bet against list of teams, um, and then started to kind of expand. And I, I found the right combination of, of watching um, when also using some statistics, which I'll talk about a little bit. Um, but finding that right balance and then kind of branching out when I felt I had a good read on a conference, um, branching out to, to other conferences and then sort of to the mid-majors and stuff like that. Yeah, it's uh, certainly 
an interesting transition <laughs> when it comes to because I, I mean when I first came out here I, I felt like I knew Big Ten hoops really well I went to Michigan mm-hmm. and uh, followed the Michigan basketball really closely followed Big Ten basketball closely I felt like I got good info from the Mountain West and the Pac-12 living in Vegas but I didn't feel comfortable branching out on other conferences it probably took me three or five years before I started to do that um, but. We're going to hear how Jake Oberhand has been able to do that. And so many college basketball questions I want to ask him. Stay tuned. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I did radio in high school. We had a, the, the station didn't go out of the, uh, the didn't broadcast. I think the, the might have gotten out to the parking lot in the school. You could hear it in the halls, uh, but that was it. I did radio at Michigan. Uh, I've done radio for much of my adult life. Jake Overhand, this is his first show. He's never done radio before. He's 24 years old. He's a young man trying to make his way in the sports betting world. I thought we'd give him a platform today. I thought we'd. Pick his brain. Jake, what's your general basic strategy for college basketball? What are you trying to do on a night-in, night-out basis? What type of teams do you look for to bet on? What type of team do you look for to bet against? Is there a basic strategy or is it all one-on-one matchups? Talk about your overall approach to betting and beating college basketball. So matchups are definitely a big part of it, um, but I'm definitely a watcher because it's the best way for me to get a gauge on teams, obviously their overall talent, um, and teams that have a distinct and unique sort of style of play. But I also want to see team morale. It can't really be found in statistics, like how do teams respond to being punched in the mouth with a big run? Are players rushing to help the guy up when he takes a hard fall? I want to see team chemistry. How do teams respond to extremely tough losses? Um and as I'm doing this, I'm forming and constantly changing as I kind of talked about my bet on and bet against teams. Um, and then combining that with some use to stats for sure. Um, one key one that I use is team assist to turnover ratio because it can help indicate the level of guard play on a team, which is a, a, another very important thing I look for in college basketball. I want teams with good composed guards um, at the offensive end, such as the Baylor Bears. Assist to turnover ratio. That's one that I've always... There's two stats in college. I mean, I'm not a big stat guy in college hoops. I'm really not. But certainly, as March rolls around, and we're starting to get a gauge or trying to get a gauge on teams coming from very different conferences, from very different places, and how one team's going to match up with another, assist to turnover ratio is absolutely a stat that I pay a lot of attention to. Not Not as much in conference tournament play as in the big dance. But that's one that I pay a lot of attention to. Another one that I'm interested in, it's not how many rebounds you get. It's the percentage of available rebounds you get. Offensive rebounding percentage, defensive rebounding percentage. In my mind, those are the key stats, not how many rebounds or how much did you rebound or how much you out-rebound your opponent by. But when it comes to low post muscle, I want the guard play with the assist to turnover, positive assist to turnover ratio. I also want the positives in terms of uh, the net rebounding differential slash percentage of available rebounds. Is that something you look at, or are there any other stats that you'd want to talk about right here? Yeah, rebounding percentage is definitely a part of it. Um, but besides that, I'm not too much into into looking at the stats. Um, but those two that you, the one that you mentioned as well, is definitely a, another key one. 
Yeah, and of course, you know, the, the, the stats in college basketball are well factored into the point spreads. Look, college basketball point spreads, I'm not going to say they come from one source, but they come from one source. The Ken Palm ratings are the market driver in college basketball. You go to KenPalm.com, and you can see what his numbers are from top to bottom. And if you look at those numbers top to bottom, then go look at today's Saturday's, you know, a a huge college basketball slate on, on a Saturday. The point spreads and Ken Palm's numbers, there's a direct correlation. All right, you don't see ever a game <laughs> that's way off of the Ken Palm numbers. The Ken Palm numbers are 100% statistical driven. The offensive efficiency, the defensive efficiency, the pace ratings. They're all hardcore stats. So one of the things Jake's talking about here is if you watch, sometimes you can find stuff that the statistics aren't telling you. I love when you talk about the team chemistry. The Are the guys going to pick, them, uh, pick their teammate up off the floor? Are they diving for yeah. loose balls? Those are the kind of things that visually you can see, but they don't show up in any box score. They'll never affect a college basketball power rating. Agree? Disagree? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's important for me to, to help find edges because, like you said, it's the, the markets are very statistically driven. And so, I, I, for me, I find that I have to watch in order to get a good gauge on, on, on team chemistry and team morale. So how many conferences are you trying to beat in college hoops uh, right now? How many conferences are you yeah. follow closely? Which ones? And, and maybe just as importantly, why these ones? Sure. So the Power Five conferences, uh, I've followed them pretty much. Um, most of the mid-major conferences, but it, it wasn't always this way. It took me a long time before I could feel like I had a good enough kind of gauge on the bigger conferences to then branch out to the smaller ones. And over time, I've been able to expand. But I'm still not at the point where I'm comfortable enough to, with doing every single conference. And so um, the reason I kind of keep those ones off is because I, I'm, I don't usually watch those games, so I can't feel like I get a good gauge on how those teams play. Sure. And so which is, so right now you're doing Power 5 and many of the mid-majors as well. Correct. Exactly. How much work yeah. is that? <laughs> it, you know, it's a lot of work, but but I, I'm able to kind of narrow it because I have my bet on bet against teams, and so that kind of helps me um, narrow my focus a lot, where I'm not overwhelmed, <laughs> especially on those Saturdays. Sure, and, and and that's something that uh, I think you and I have in common. When you talk about those lists, you know, right now I'm looking at it right in front of me, and I adjust it. What, all the time, you know, <laughs> I'm taking a team off a of bet against list. All right, we'll cross them out. You got I try it. to yeah, make a yeah. new one every week or two, you know, because the, the list gets real dirty. Yep. <laughs> no, the, yeah, this yeah. one's scribbled on the bottom. But that concept that at any given moment, I'm not trying to break down 363 college basketball teams. I've got maybe 15 or 20 teams that, uh, you know, sometimes it's fewer than that, 12 or 10. Let's say between 10 and 20 teams I'm looking to bet on at any given moment, 10 or 20 teams I'm looking to bet against. And the rest of the card is chaff. It just goes. I don't worry about it. I don't sweat it. Are you of that ilk, or are you going to look at least a little bit at almost every game on the board? Um, No, I'm exactly like that. Um, Especially if if I've never watched a team, it's really hard for me to get a gauge on them. So that's pretty much most of the the really small conferences. So I'll, I'll cross off a lot of those games as well. Yeah, I don't do much on the edit board. I don't do anything on the edit board. To be yeah, honest, the edit exactly, board is yeah. is a bit much. You know, I got involved in a write-in game uh, with Eastern Michigan and Kent State last night. That's uh, the, the <laughs> most that I'm going to do with the games towards the bottom of the card uh, on a college basketball board. 
Um, so let's get into it. I mean, so you're, yeah. you're paying attention to a whole bunch of teams. Who can we make money with? Now, look, we're in like mid to late February. All right, there's a couple of mm-hmm. weeks left of the regular season. Then we've got conference tournaments. So we'll talk about conference tournaments and the big dance in a few minutes. But right now, this backstretch mm-hmm. of the regular season, give me a team I can make money with. Give me one. Give me two. Give me five if you have them. Anyone yeah. that you got oh, yeah. that stands out that, that right now appears to be an undervalued commodity in the betting markets. You know, Villanova's fully healthy now, finally, and they're a totally different team than we saw early on. Um, the Dayton Flyers out of the A-10 are loaded with talent. Um, they struggled early, but have kind of found something in these last few games. Baylor, a team I mentioned earlier, um, they're still being undervalued um, in the market because of their slow start. Um, Tulane and Syracuse are another a couple more I, I think you can make money with. They've, they've kind of shown signs of transformation um, over the course of the year, and I think that they'll offer some value. So let's go through those teams one by one. Villanova. Because yeah. Nova's a team that has been competing for national championships, you know, and right. winning national championships. And this year's team, no one's expecting that from Villanova. They have been power rated fairly low Correct. compared to where this program has been uh, in recent years. They've been way low this year. But as a healthy team right now, do you think the markets are continuing to sleep on Nova? Or is this a team like if you, you wanted to bet on them already this month, if you haven't done it now, you may be behind the curve. Yeah, I think we we saw them about ten point favorites the other day, and they, they you know they covered the number. I think um, until they don't cover one of these numbers, I think you could you could absolutely um, jump on now. And Dayton's a team I kind of got my eye on, so I, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly with you on Dayton as a team that maybe we can make money with here in late February. What is it about the Flyers that stands out to you? You know, they they get stops, they play defense, they have the guard play, they have the post play, that's for sure. And I think I think they're the class of the A ten, to be honest with you. And I think that that you, you could absolutely make money with Dayton because they got off to such a slow start. They had that, that bad, you know, bad um tournament early on. And I think now that they're finally starting to click, um, we're starting to see the talent on display and to me they're the most talented team in the A ten. Yeah, one of the things I like to, one of my favorite strategies for December college basketball is those Thanksgiving tournaments. You fade the teams that look great in the over Thanksgiving, and you bet on the teams that looked awful over Thanksgiving because the markets really overreact to those early season numbers yeah. and those early season results. And when you find a team like Dayton that had bad results in those early uh, tourneys, they can hold value for extended stretches thereafter. Baylor's another team that's been playing for titles uh, in recent years. The Bears certainly are a squad that isn't being slept on in the marketplace, but the Big 12 is absolutely loaded this year. Do you agree the Big 12 is the toughest conference in college basketball, or is the Big 10 tougher? And what is it about Baylor that stands out? Oh, yeah. I mean, the Big 12 is loaded. I mean, no one expected this out of Kansas State. Iowa State's been been really good. Um, and then, obviously, you have Kansas and Baylor. Um but with the Bears, yeah, they, they have the guard play to me. And it's kind of reminiscent of their title team a couple of years ago where they have those big guards. They play defense, obviously really well coached. Um, and to me, they're the class of that conference. And I think that, you know, they're still being a little bit slept on just because of the, the early start that they, you know, they they got off to such a bad start by their standards. And so it's it's offered value ever since, really. And Syracuse, they were talking about dumping Bayheim. You know, they're yeah. trying to force him out. Yeah. But... They haven't played bad basketball of late. Talk to me about Syracuse. 
Yeah, we'll no. save that. <laughs> Waiting on you, buddy. Go. All right. We'll talk about Syracuse after the break because we got Syracuse and Tulane talk here. We're going to talk about coaches that stand out and maybe some conference tournament talk. Stay tuned. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Get all the latest updates, breaking news, line changes, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. At SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, a trio of Twitter handles to follow. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And of course, you can follow today's guest, Jake Oberhand, on Twitter at JOberhandXX. Again, JOberhandXX on Twitter. And Jake, before the break, we were talking about some of the teams you think offer bet on potential right now. Nova, Dayton, Baylor. There were two more I want to discuss that you uh, listed, Tulane yeah. and Syracuse. Talk to me about the Green Wave and the Orange as why you like them as bet on teams right now. Yeah. Well, with Syracuse especially, um, they started off the season where they were in a bunch of close games, but they just couldn't figure out how to close them. And, and now we've started to see over the past few few games that they're, they are learning how to close those games. Um, and the players are kind of learning that zone. Uh, it sometimes takes them a while, especially when, when Bayheim has a lot of new guys. And so I think Syracuse definitely offers some value down the stretch. Um, with Tulane, again, another team loaded with talent. Um, they're, I mean, they're right there with Memphis in terms of just pure talent. Um, we saw them go toe-to-toe twice with, with the Tigers. Um, but another team that got off to kind of a rocky start, um, they have two really good guards, explosive guards, and they really kind of hit their stride. Um, I still think the markets are, are undervaluing Tulane. And that's the theme. Good guard play equals point spread success. Tulane certainly in that category. What about bet against teams? Are there any teams that you're looking at that pretty much any time they hit the floor right now, they're fade only? Um, yeah. You know, teams that uh, we can fade repeatedly until their miserable season is finally over. Uh, <laughs> give me a team or two that stands out in that regard. Sure. Florida State. I mean, they've continued to offer value to bet against because the talent's there. Um, but it just hasn't clicked for them all year. And one more I'll throw at you is Ohio State. For some reason, they're still being valued in the markets as a decent team, and they're just they're as bad as any team at the Big Ten, in my opinion. Well, let me ask you this about both of those teams, because they've both been yeah. – Ohio State has been an absolute point spread Oof. disaster area. What are they? i got them, I think, 1-11 straight up and against the spread <laughs> their last 12. Yeah. And Ken Palm still had them top 40 team as of last weekend. Yeah. I know they dropped down and they dropped down again since then. But – when you have that statistical profile that, the, that Ken Palm really likes. But here's a team, they're 111 straight up, 111 ATS, their yeah. last 12. Do we still want to fade them? If you haven't ridden this streak with Ohio State, sure. it's now yeah. the time to jump on. I think so. I mean, they were, they were only eight-point dogs yesterday at, at Iowa. So it's still, I mean, it's still value there to bet against, in my opinion. Absolutely. How about coaches? You got a coach or two that stands out to you as being someone we like a lot. Anyone stand out to you is that we real oh boy, this guy's a freaking clown. Um, and the coaches 
affect your betting, you know, uh, your betting on a day in day out basis. Because one thing, one thing that I've done a lot less of mm-hmm. is I'm betting on this coach, I'm betting against that coach. I find like yeah. you can sometimes get trapped into oh I don't like this coach, therefore I'm going to bet against his team. Um, so I tend to do less of that now than I used to. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's wrong <laughs> to, to find coaches you want to be betting on or against. Sure. Uh, but does anyone stand out to you in that regard as a, as a bet on coach or a bet against coach? Somebody we want to keep our eye on one way or the other. Yeah. Ed Cooley with Providence always seems to impress me. Um, yep. He, he lost a lot of key production from last I mean, he lost a lot of key production from last year's team. And once again, they've overachieved. Um, to me, he's definitely bet on. Anyone that you don't like? Yeah, Bobby Hurley with Arizona State. Um, put it this way, this isn't the first time an ASU team under him has gotten off to, to a really fast start and then kind of fell off the rest of the season. Um, to me, Bobby Hurley would be one. And it's funny, the, the, like the two coaches you just listed, I didn't. we didn't talk yeah. about who you were going to talk about. Nope. They might be, like Ed Cooley might be my number one bet on coach, and Bobby <laughs> Hurley might be my number one bet against. They're, there they're that go. close. So we're certainly uh, thinking along the same lines. For both sure. of these squads. And I love betting on Providence in these near pick'em games. Yep. You know, when it comes to end game, the Friars, they just do the right thing year in, year out. A team whose statistical profile never lives up to their point spread nope. success. And that's probably why they have the point spread success they have. The markets don't like their stats. Their end game execution is tremendous. Something I cannot say. About although Bobby, I mean, the Sun Devils have stolen a bunch of games this year, you know. That's true. Uh, yeah. More than their fair share, probably, but uh, weren't able to steal one against Colorado on Thursday night. Now, let me ask you this: you know, this is the time of year, late February. I find my volume always goes down at this time of year. I might, you know, here we are, late February. I might have ten or twenty bets the rest of the month. I mean, it's not going to be peppering the board with wagers, maybe. What's your volume like right now? Is it going to go up or down in the, in, the, in the next few weeks before conference tournament starts? And do you have that same scenario late February where all of a sudden your value teams aren't offering that much value and your bet against teams yeah. aren't offering any value to bet against them? And all of a sudden like, it shrinks in terms of how many teams you're going to be able to bet on or bet against? No, absolutely. Um, as for volume right now for the next few weeks, definitely going to be much lower than what it will be when conference tournaments start. Um, I would say right now I'd be lucky to find three to four plays a night. And to kind of give you some more insight, um, right now one of the things I'm looking to do specifically in the, in this time, late February, I'm on the lookout to bet against these mediocre to especially bad kind of mid-major conference teams playing at home. Um, there's no fans, no home court edge at these games. And I, I say that kind of to say in these smaller conference games, oftentimes road favorites can be found cheaper than they may deserve to be. And that's sort of a common theme that, that I found to work at this time of year, specifically Northern Iowa is one that I've had success with fading. Um, Tulsa, uh, Western Michigan are basically auto fades at home until, you know, until proven otherwise. Yeah, Kalamazoo, not the basketball hotbed <laughs> this yeah. year by any stretch of the imagination uh, in the MAC. Uh, it's been pretty ugly uh, for the Western Michigan Broncos uh, in that regard. Now, I personally love conference tournaments more than any other time in college basketball season. Now it's yeah. tight. It's a tight window. You got like three days, you know, that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday yeah. of conference tournament week. 
where it's just balls to the wall, and I may have more plays those three days than I will over the next three weeks. When it comes to basic conference tournament strategy, mm-hmm. one thing I always like to do is bet against disinterested number one seeds from major conference tourneys. In my mind, you have to split conference tourney strategy into multi-bid leagues versus one-bid leagues. The multi-bid leagues, I want to fade the chalk. The one-bid leagues, a lot of times I want to back the chalk. What's your thought process when it comes to conference tournament strategy? Yeah, I'm generally going in looking to bet on teams that, that have talent but, but have underachieved all year and, and are kind of out to prove something in, in that conference tournament. Um, oftentimes you can kind of get a good indication of this through, through the quotes in the local paper, just um, kind of different interviews and stuff like that. Um, I'm also looking for, for talented teams who maybe kind of ended the season on a losing streak and just are, are looking at the conference tournament like as a, as a fresh start, a complete fresh start where they can kind of they have to turn the corner. Um, also, I've kind of learned in conference tournaments that they're kind of, it's kind of it's okay to overreact to one game in the conference tournaments because you can get a buy sign right away for, on a team just from that first game yep. and, and try to ride them in yeah and try to ride them through the whole weekend. Um, and so, I'm totally with you on in terms of strategy. Um, the uh, the one bid leagues, I want to be betting on the, the very best teams in those leagues and against the the very top teams in those power five. Yeah, I mean the, the the concept of fading the number one seed, it's, uh, yeah. even the number two seed, the teams that are going to be on the the one seed line or the two seed line or the three seed line, regardless of how they do in conference tournaments, those aren't that are, don't tend to be teams that go on big runs to big the win the Big Ten uh, or to win the ACC uh, and the like. So I agree. Again, we're kind of on the same page here. And the concept of looking for talented teams that kind of checked out yep. down the stretch. Those are your teams that if they get that first win, boom, the, the switch is flipped. And we can bet on them. Um, all right, the big dance isn't until mid-March. I don't want to do too much big dance talk. But uh, any sleepers, any auto-fade? I mean, I know it's way early for that still. But no, uh, yeah. I feel like uh, I, I would... I know the audience is, you know, it comes out of the big day. Like in football, who's going to win the Super Bowl? In, in sure. basketball, let's talk about the big dance. So uh, talk to me for a moment about sleepers or auto fades, any teams you're looking to bet on or against. I think Creighton is as good as anybody um, in the country, and don't be surprised if they make a deep run in the in the tournament. Um, some higher seeds I already know I'll be looking to fade just because of their, their track record in this tournament. Tennessee, Iowa, Purdue, these are – those three teams are just awful as big chalk in the tournament, and I'm going to be definitely looking to fade them. But kind of as we talked about with the – with, it's very different than conference tournaments in, ter- in general um, because those teams we talked about that kind of offer a buy sign during their conference tournament and played like four games in four days in the Power Five schools, I want to be auto-fading those teams as well. Um, that's traditionally been a pretty good bet against a real good bet against when you talk about the teams yeah. that have just, you know, gone balls to the wall, used everything up in the tank, and oh, you know, now they're laying 16 against a team that they never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, those are, can be, and again, I mean, you don't see as many 16s anymore uh, in the big dance. Maybe they're only laying nine against a team they never heard of. Doesn't sure, matter. Sure. <laughs> those tend yeah. to be yeah. competitive basketball games when a team went all out. 
the previous weekend. This has been a lot of fun, Jake. It really has. I enjoy getting a fresh perspective. I enjoy yeah. getting a chance to talk to someone who um, really wanted to be on the show. You know, I appreciate you reaching out to me on Twitter. And if any of you out there in listener land, you guys are betting for real and you want a spot, DM me. I, you know, it's not like I, I got loaded guests every week. I mean, we got lots of guys I like to have on, but I always like to bring in fresh voices if they can talk a little bit about what they're, what they're thinking, I'd love to have you on. So uh, don't be shy, Jake. I thought you did very, very well. Before you go, we got what, about 90 seconds. How about a bettable opinion on Saturday, Saturday's college basketball card? I know that the numbers aren't mature yet. I know it's early in the process, but give me a thought for college basketball yeah. on today's Saturday's loaded card. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to look at Creighton to handle business against St. John's. I think St. John's... Um... Their press is a good matchup for Creighton because they have terrific guards to handle it. Uh, in fact, last time they hung over 100 on, on the Johnnies. Um, and now uh, five days five days to rest since losing in double overtime the other day to Providence. I'm not worried about a fatigue factor in this game. So look at Creighton against the Red Storm. Mike Anderson's team not likely to force turnovers in bunches against the Blue Jays. Strong guard play. And Creighton certainly handled that squad in the first meeting. Jake, talk a little bit about yourself. I know you don't have a service to promote. I don't have a you have a website and Twitter. I mean, where can uh, uh, where can people find you if they enjoyed hearing you talk about college basketball today? Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at uh, JOberhandXX. Feel free to reach out anytime. I love meeting new people, especially who are interested in sports betting to whatever extent. Um, have a good weekend, everyone, and thanks again for having me on, Teddy. I had a great time also. Yeah, it was awesome. Look, <laughs> uh, you're a guy who knows how to talk about college basketball with some interesting opinions <laughs> and some good stuff to talk about. So uh, I'm glad we had you on. We'll have to do it again sometime in the not-too-distant future. When we come back, cover it with Teddy Covers. Yeah, I got a bettable opinion for you today. BYU St. Mary's. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to go back and listen to the archives, listen to the Super Bowl shows from last week or previous college basketball discussions or NBA discussions or any show that I've ever done. You know, like I said, this is now three years uh, that I'm working on uh, Cover It With Teddy Covers on the Sports Grid Radio Network. And every show that I've ever done is archived and available for download, including this show, including tomorrow's NBA-focused show with Rob Vino. You can get them all. Just download the podcast. Search Cover It With Teddy Covers wherever you download your podcasts. Download and consume at your convenience. I appreciate all of your support. I really do. Interesting show today. I want to leave you guys with a bettable opinion in college hoops. We're fading BYU right now. All right. The Cougs are going to the Big 12 next year. This is most assuredly a rebuilding season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just mightily. Uh, I ran into an article from uh, Cougars beat writer Jeff Call from the Deseret News earlier this week. And the first line, I'm like, yeah, of course. Quote, 
It's no surprise that BYU, that the BYU basketball program has struggled this season. Anyone, anybody that's been paying attention could have seen this coming. It's been a remade roster. Four frosh, a handful of transfers. The head coach, Mark Pope, has even said it. Quote, I don't like having a young team. I prefer to never have a young team. Young teams don't win very often. They're heading to the Big 12 next year, saying bye-bye to the WTCC. They're not getting calls from the refs because of that. And right now, they're a sub-500 team. All right, BYU's kind of been the third or fourth best team in that conference behind Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Not this year, they're not. They're stumbling down the stretch, just two and six straight up in their last eight. St. Mary's got tested by BYU in the first minute. They're going to look past this team. It was a one-point win in Provo. It was a battle in that contest. Expect the rematch to be much easier for the Gales. I expect them to win by margin over a struggling BYU Cougars team. And there you have it. That's it for Cover It with Teddy Covers. Today, we'll do it again tomorrow. Same time, same channel, right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Enjoy the games and good luck.